Today, we're talking to Bob from Place, all about the latest technology shaking up the real estate industry and how to reduce customer churn. You're listening to the Modern CTO Podcast. Joel, how you doing? Dude, good. I was so excited that I get to talk to you. I met you for a brief moment about 12 to 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I remember. And you know, it's funny because I, I was trying to jog my mind. It was something related to Active Rain. And I know you were, you were doing something and I don't remember exactly what the details because like you said, it's been a long time ago. But yeah, when I saw your name come up, I'm like, I know that guy. Yep, yep. We were doing something with Active Rain. I think there was a guy named like Mark Frederick over there too, or, or something of that, uh, yep. something close to that. It's jogging my memory, man. I can't believe that that is so long ago. It's crazy. Right? That community still lives over there, and there's still some really engaged people over there. And, and for the longest time, kind of the claim to fame over at Active Rain was that you could rank really well in the search engines, and that stuff's all changed, right? Like. Basically, in real estate, you've got these behemoths like Zillow and Redfin and, and Realtor.com or whoever that just dominate the search engines now. Yeah. So how did you get involved with Place? What is Place? I love real estate. I'm curious. So Place is a business platform for real estate teams to partner with us. And we basically manage all of the business functions of their real estate team. So we help them with their accounting and finance. We help them with you know, payroll, stuff like that, the legal side of their business, the marketing side, the, the recruiting, the training and onboarding of their agents. And then we, we provide to them a tech platform that they can manage and, and run their business off of. That tech platform is called Brivity. And it's a platform that we've been selling to real estate agents for a number of years. But we've started to do a bunch of work on it that kind of helps a team kind of run the financial sides of their business and the recruiting side of their business. And they're starting to build a bunch of functionality to support these teams. So these real estate teams, I think we just, whoa, I think we onboarded our 160th team and we've signed 175 or something like that. They partner with us. They're teams from all around the country. At a minimum, they're doing about 100 transactions a year. Our top team we just brought on is a lady out of Orlando, Florida, Veronica Figueroa. She's the largest EXP team in the country. She did about 2,200 transactions last year. But essentially, we partner with these, these teams. We run kind of all the business operations side, or we partner with them to run those things. And then we basically partner in the profits of their, their real estate business. Oh, okay, so teams will apply and you'll accept them and then support them? Yeah. Yeah. And, and there, there is a, we, we don't accept everybody. Like we're looking for teams that have a chance to become profitable. The dirty secret in the real estate industry is there's all these teams and a lot of them are, you know, you go to the conferences, Joel, you've been to these conferences, right? The Keller Williams yeah. conference or yeah. EXP Inman, right? The national association of realtor. And they, they put these people on stage who do do a lot of business, but most of these teams and the owner, the person that owns the team and started the team, most of their actual income comes from their own personal production. And when you actually break the business down and you look at like, okay, this team where, you know, they've got these agents coming in and they're paying for the marketing and they're paying for the leads and they're, and the agents giving them some percentage of the commission. Most of these teams are not actually making money on running the team. Most of the owners of those businesses are making money on their own personal production. And in a lot of cases, they're actually covering the cost of that team out of that personal production. So even when they get up to places like they're doing 100 deals as a team or 150 or 200. 
So some teams are profitable, some teams aren't. You focus on profitable teams and help make them even more profitable and support them. Yeah. Probably the biggest piece there, when most of these teams like engage with us in the beginning, one of the things we one of the very first steps is this kind of financial review process where we go in and look at, you know, what are they what are they spending money on essentially? And you just almost all of these real estate businesses are ripe with inefficient spending. Right? They're spending on lead sources where they can't even tell us if they've ever closed transactions out of that lead source. They're spending on employee costs. Like a lot of these teams that get to, let's say, 100 and then 150 or 200 transactions, they have three, four, five people managing just the transactions in their business. And in some cases, their, their salaries they're paying these people are kind of out of whack. And you know, a lot of times, these are really hard conversations that a business owner has to turn around and kind of have with their team. But our first effort is to get their costs under control. And in almost every case, we can reduce their costs pretty significantly. Then when you add in the tech piece, where we're delivering, we're saying, okay, we have the tech now. Now, some of these teams that are partnering with us are already using our tech, right? They were using our tech on the brevity side before, but we get plenty that are coming in and there's a pretty massive cost savings when we absorb the, the tech fees in their business and they, they kind of transition over to running our platform. And a lot of times that off the top is, you know, three to $5,000 a month in savings right there. So there a lot of people I kind of go, because we split the profit with the team. It's like 50-50. And a lot of people go, wait, what? And and almost immediately as a team owner would say, no, no, I, I, no I'm not giving them half my profit. But the reality is that the actual profit, when you break it down and you look at you know what's profit that you're making from your team and what's profit that's coming out of your own transactions, they realize like, okay, I'm actually not making much money. And, and a lot of them don't even know that, right? Some of this is, is discovery for them where they've just, they were a great real estate agent, Josh who got really good at doing transactions, right? And they convinced a couple people to kind of come along with them, but they were never a business owner. Yeah. So places is role in the ecosystem is to try to help these team owners become business owners. And then how did you get involved with this? Were you just hanging out at Active Rain and they tapped on your shoulder like, <laughs> come on, Bob, uh, let's go. Kind of, kind of. Yeah. So Ben Kinney is our is one of the co-founders of Oh really? Of, yeah, yeah. So of place. So he, him, and Chris Suarez. Chris Suarez is a an agent that kind of came up out of the Keller Williams, as did Ben. So in 2015, um, I had left Active Rain, and so Active Rain had its own little journey where you know we were Active Rain, and then Market Leader did an investment in us in 2010, and then they they took us over. It was kind of a leveraged takeover scenario, but they took us over. We were young and didn't know what we were doing, and they got the upper hand, and, and they took us over. Then we just went along for the ride. Market Leader got sold to Trulia. We, Active Rain just kind of went along with that, right? And then Trulia got sold to Zillow. And so everything went along with that. But I give Spencer Raskoff a lot of credit. You like love or hate Zillow. I think that they do some things really well. And, and I think they actually give agents more opportunity than, than if they didn't exist. Spencer, when they when they bought the whole Trulia and Market Leader and, and Active Rain was this dusty little corner, essentially, of that acquisition, he used to blog on Active Rain in the very beginning of Spencer starting with Zillow, way back when Zillow was just getting started and, you know, they got started in 2005 and Active Rain late 2005, early 2006. Spencer used to blog on there all the time. And so I think he just had this little, he could have just closed it down and he probably didn't want the bad press that would come with a bunch of a blogging community, right, getting shut down. And so he reached out to, to a few people, including Jonathan Washburn, my original co-founder of Active Rain, and John had kind of moved on into a different industry. And so he didn't, he wasn't looking to get back into real estate. And so the next call Spencer made was to Ben Kinney. 
Spencer called Jonathan one day and John, cause I was working with John again, I'd left real estate and he called John and John said, what do you think? Should we buy active rain back? And I'm like, no, no, we're in the automotive industry. Like you don't have anything there. I think just stay focused on what you're doing. You're it's working. Well, the next day he called Ben who called me and like that next day. And Ben said, Hey, uh, Spencer Raskoff called me. You think John would be mad if I bought active rain? And I'm like, you know, it's funny because Spencer called John yesterday and John basically said no. So no, I don't think he'd be mad. And he said, all right, well, if I do it, will you come back and, and work with me and, and kind of run it? And so I said, yeah. And I, so in July of 2015, I went to work with Ben essentially to start kind of reviving Active Rain. But along with that acquisition came a product called Quickly, Joel, which was a text to lead I service know, yeah. that... Yeah, and so that Ben bought quickly and Active Rain from Zillow, who'd acquired both of those things kind of through Market Leader. And I spent about the first month just digging into quickly. What is it? Reaching out to the clients that we had, figuring out how they were using it. We had like one day. Zillow gave us one day with the guy that was running quickly for them, essentially just kind of keeping it alive and be like, here, learn what you need. And we ended up taking the developer. We kind of, uh, you know, assumed the developer when we bought it. And then Right about that time, Ben was starting to put together this idea for what would become our Brivity platform. So Brivity back then in 2015, at that time when I joined, was essentially just a transaction management platform for real estate agents. Did a little bit of automation around transactions, allowed them to kind of create some a system or some consistency around their transactions. And then also kind of showcase to the consumer, the buyer, the seller, what the real estate agent was doing to get their house sold. And back then, there was, wasn't really any other software that was kind of making that process transparent for the consumer. So when I started with Ben, that's what Brivity was. But real soon after that, he, he went out and bought a company called Blue Roof out of uh, Utah, which is a website, kind of a custom website company. And we combined our CRM and their websites and kind of started down the process of building this, this Brivity platform. So... Pretty early on, like right in, I don't know, must have been, let's say October of 2015, when really to this day, Active Range has kind of sat on the side. We've had some developers kind of make sure it doesn't crash or whatever. But since then, we've been fully focused on the idea of building kind of this one place that a real estate agent comes each day to run their entire business from end to end. Joel, you've been around this industry for long enough. You know, like if you're a real estate agent, you probably have four to eight vendors that you deal with that, that give you the tools that you need for your business, which means you have four to eight logins, four to eight places you put the data in, four to eight bills that show up every month, just creates a lot of inefficiencies in their business. And, and Ben's idea was, and the reason this was his idea for, he had a real estate business, right? He had his real estate business up in Bellingham, Washington, which today does, I don't know, four, 400 to 450 transactions a year. And back then was probably doing... 200 or something, whatever it was. But he built this platform because he realized like, geez, if I just make my own team more efficient, I could save on my own bills. And over time, it became something where we obviously are, you know, sell it to other people. And it, But it didn't start like that. It really did start being something for his little business in Bellingham. And then he was starting to expand. He'd moved into Seattle and, and down into Austin, Texas. And so what we started finding out is every little efficiency that we could make in there. So a real estate agent could, could talk to one more person that day in the same amount of time could be magnified over, you know, however big, big Ben's business would grow. And today when we make those enhancements in the software, we have 170 teams that are benefiting from, from those enhancements. And that's place. I know that's a really long winded answer. That's place. That's how I got involved. 
but I've been here with Ben since 2015. And again, it was a connection from, from active rain. Yeah. It's great to see all of these people that, yeah, I was in the, I did a couple real estate deals and then I left the real estate world. I grew up in it. So my parents were real estate agents, like my, my mom and my stepdad were. And so started building software, you know, around them. And so I had done that from like 16 to 25. And so I was like, okay, I've been here. And then I had sold some software and I met some financial advisors through the aspect of selling the software. And then they wanted me to build some stuff with them. And so then I did some fitness software, some financial services software, and sort of figured out all the different types of of things you can do. And so I, I haven't ever actually been back to the real estate world, but I still follow the news every once in a while. I still check in like every year to see what's going on. It's amazing. Like you mentioned that quickly. Who I can't remember his name, but whoever the founder of that was. Tony Romero is his name. Tony. But I remember sitting in a hotel lobby with him and him like pulling up the back end because, you know, as software engineer, and we were just talking about it. So it's so cool to see everything, you know, come full circle. And of course, all the other people you've mentioned, it's, it's amazing what can happen in a decade. It is. I want to talk about your title change. Like five minutes before the interview, one of your amazing PR people sent an email and said, hey, just so you know, Bob's title changed. What was your title? What did it change to and why? You know what's funny? So we took, we took an investment from Goldman Sachs, a pretty big one, right? Back in November of last year. And prior to that, if you'd ever asked me what my title was, I would have told you I was the, the Dash, and people are the dash. Well, so Ben Kinney has this philosophy around here that we're all the janitor to the CEO. Like we play all the roles from janitor to CEO. And so in my head, I'm like, and in between those is a dash. So I'm the dash. My, <laughs> when Goldman took over, right, and you become with this more kind of formal structure and, and, and you start to put these things in place, right? They had to give everybody titles. So I think my actual title, which I don't even have business cards, by the way, Joel. So I don't know where this title like lives, right? Maybe on my LinkedIn profile or something. But my my actual title today is Vice President of Success and Training. Okay. So it was kind of bestowed upon me. But essentially, I lead a team here that is responsible for churn at the very end of the day. And then on the other side, kind of in our, so that's on our software side of the business, Brevity, right? Because we've got, you know, thousands of clients that aren't our place partners. On the place side of our world, I lead our training organization, which essentially ensures or goes out each day and shows up to, to work to make sure that our place partners are leveraging our software. So what do they say? The best CRM is the one you use. Yeah. Uh, right. In, in any part of your business, I think the best tech is the one you use. And there's a lot of really awesome solutions in real estate for an agent or a team to run their business on. But the best one is the one they use. So my team is responsible for making sure that that our partners get in there and, and use the product. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you reduce churn. We have a lot of tech leaders, engineers, VPs, managers, all across all industries. Churn is something that I'd say at least 80% of us are familiar with or deal with in some regard, whether we're building tools to reduce it or we're somehow part of a churn conversation. Yeah. What are like your best thoughts on reducing churn? That's a great question. Here's, here's how we tend to think about it around here. So the first thing would be to really get a good handle on why people cancel. 
would be the first thing. I think there's two sides to that. There's what the reason they tell you they cancel. And then there's what you can kind of see in their usage patterns and the data about why they canceled. And so the first thing, I mean, we had a bad churn problem. There were months where had we done that the whole month, we would have churned out all of our customers that year, right? Like, like in the beginning, it was pretty bad when we really started to realize like, crap, we got to get the handle on this. And so the first thing we started looking at are what are the, the key things that like, are there anything that, that we just never really see people like get to us, like get to churn stage because they did these things, right? And so we've identified like five key elements that are a part that we've now made a part of our launch and onboarding process. And we really drill in and focus on those things because we know, and like, this is getting kind of down into the weeds of real estate, right? But like, for example, we know that when somebody comes in, if they don't upload their database into Brivity in the beginning, like there's a good chance they're probably going to churn in the first 30 to 60 days. So we built a team that helps people upload their database. Like we literally have a team of people that like during the launch process, we reach out and go, okay, where does your database live? Give it to us. We'll put it in all the right format. And we've got virtual you know, VAs that will go in and do all the work to get that thing in there. Right. And so then, and there's just a series of steps along the way that it was like, oh yeah, this person churned, duh, they churned. They didn't have their database imported. Right. Next step would be, like market reports is a good example in real estate. We've got a tool that allows them to kind of drip on past clients and sphere and different people like that, where they know where that person lives and they can kind of keep them educated about the real estate market right around where they live. That was another tool that if people went in and got those things set up and engaged, then they were much less likely to churn. And, you know, when we started like just, this gets down to tactical stuff, right? When we started doing that, the market report tool was a tool where we had to basically like do it one at a time. So if you brought a database of 2000 people, Joel, and a thousand of them had an address, right? You have to go in there a thousand times. And like, that was a very easy problem to solve with tech, right? We were like, Oh, let's just build it so they can apply a thousand of these things all at once. And it, you know, it does some algorithm to figure out what's the right radius or whatever, based on the, the attributes of the home to, to set that thing up. So they're seeing, properties that make sense. So we just, you know, we, we basically started to kind of look at churn by saying, what makes people churn? And, and can we stop those things? And then there's probably still more work to be done on the database side where we could take a more technical approach to it. So sometimes we throw people at it, obviously not the best solution, right? And sometimes we go and, and make the tech solution. So we just really looked at those in our business, there's five massive pillars on the front side of a, of a launch of a, of a customer that if they don't engage one of those or all five of those things, any one of those missing things tends to show up in churn, whether it be 30 days in, 90 days in, or maybe at the most about 180 days in. So that was the first thing that we looked at is just why do they churn? And not just what do they tell us, right? But like, what are the actual practical things that they're maybe not doing? That'd be the first thing. The second thing I would say that's really, I think, helped us a lot with churn, but it's hard to measure. We spend a, we didn't used to do this. We used to because we ran a real estate business, right? We used to kind of make things and think like we knew what was like, oh, real estate is going to use this and, and they're going to use it this way. And so this is how we would do it, right? And, and we would make the thing. Josiah, who leads kind of our design team. And look, this isn't a time we were bootstrapping, right? We didn't the design team was two guys, right? And 
Today, we've got a little bit more developed like design team, for example, where we now have, I don't even know what you call these folks, but you know, they go out and sit with our customer and be like, hey, here's a feature we're going to build. You know, like, here's how we built it. Use it now, right? And we'll literally sit there and watch them use it, right? Kind of track it. And then you start to realize, like, we're not actually as smart as we thought we were, right? Joel, like, we, we just... You know, at some point your ego gets in the way and you're like, we know what we're doing. And you realize, you know, when you're putting this product in front of a a 28 year old millennial and a 70 year old, you know, boomer that, that can barely turn the computer on. And and then you're like, oh my gosh, we got to simplify this thing. Right. And so there was a lot of that that's happened, let's say in the last year and a half and on almost all of the new stuff that we build, we go through this pretty rigorous process of sitting down with the customer and actually watching them use it. Here'd be the third thing I I think is, it it seems obvious, but I'm convinced, especially in real estate, not a lot of, not a lot of companies do this. We build what our customers want. And we used to think we knew so much that we just build what they, right? Like, you know, in a past life, we would have said something like, yeah, if Henry Ford wanted to build what his customers wanted, he would have built a faster horse or faster carriage or whatever, right? We used to think that way because we thought, oh, we're... But the reality is, in real estate especially, there's a there's a certain way that, that things are done. And you can't necessarily just upend that and be like, hey, do it this way now. And so you do have to kind of work inside of even like the routines of a real estate agent, right? Like, in our head, they were all going to sit down for three hours at their computer every day and prospect. And, and that's how our business runs. And so we thought, well, we realized that's total pie in the sky dream. And so we had to build an app so that they could be out on the go, right? And it had to have, in the beginning, we thought, well, they only need this much functionality in the app. And we realized they're like, no, I need to do this and this and this. So the way that we kind of break our dev, you know, kind of cycles down and, and what we're going to build in any given sprint We've got about a third of our resources dedicated in in three different lanes. The a third of the resources are dedicated in, and this isn't, you know, it's not hard and fast, a third of the dev time, but about a third of the resources are dedicated to technical debt or, or you know, Twitter keeping up the, the underpinnings and making sure everything's up to date. And, and about a third of the resources are spent on enhancements that were asked for by our community of users. So for Ben, it's really important that our, that our users see us introducing features or, or tweaks like every sprint, right? Every couple weeks that are based on something they asked for. We probably beat the drum just as hard on those stupid little things that somebody asked for as we do on like when we release a new feature because we want our, our clients to know that like, their feedback matters and that we actually are listening to it and that we're trying to make improvements based on things that they're saying. And then about a third of it is saved for those ideas where we think they need a car and not a faster horse, right? Things that, you know, ideas that were introduced, like recently we introduced a recruiting mechanism into our platform because most of our users are teams and that wasn't something people were asking for. They weren't asking for us to go out and build a bunch of connections to Indeed and Monster and LinkedIn jobs and, and be able to automatically feed their postings up for new real estate agents or a director of ops or whatever. But we realized that, you know, our teams were going to need this. A lot of teams, as we've turned into a real estate, I don't know, recession or whatever this is going to be over the next year, you know, Goldman's telling us that sales numbers are going to be down 20 to 30% in any of these markets. 
And so a lot of our, we're looking around and going, crap, if we're going to do the same kind of business or we want our businesses to grow, we're probably going to need to find new talent to attract into our world. So we started thinking about, about recruiting. Again, wasn't something people were asking for, but now that they have it, they're like, oh yeah, this is great. Um, so about a third of the time on technical debt or just making sure everything, you know, hums along smoothly about a third of the time on features that, that people asked for or tweaks. A lot of times it's tweaks. It's not even features. You know, they're saying, how come when I click this button, it loads a new tab and doesn't just pop a modal up. That'd be way easier. Right. Just even like little stuff like that. Ben's idea. And we've really taken this to heart. Like if we can save you a second or two or three on some action that you take 50 times a day, Joel, like over a year, all of a sudden we saved you like two, two weeks because you didn't have to click that little thing right every day, a hundred times. That's crazy. That's how we think about churn. Just two main variables, build better product based on what they want, and then make sure that they're using it in kind of a succinct way to get them to a place where essentially we call it time to value, right? How much time does it take this, this user to find value out of our products so that they're like, I need this. I need to keep this. Oh, yeah. When I was doing software, I would track a DTV time to value, right? And it would be the measurement of an average person, like a, like a time clock for them to complete an objective, because then your focus isn't on anything other than how do I get them to achieve that outcome that they sat down to achieve fast. And then that is a completely different scenario than just building software to achieve an outcome. Yeah. You know, we, and again, we spent years not even thinking about this mainly because we didn't have the resources to have like somebody on staff that even knew, like you just explain things that somebody would have to know. <laughs> we, we didn't know those things. Right. Like a lot of times and you don't know what you don't know. Right. And then, you know, maybe you're lucky enough to get to a place like we got to where all of a sudden we had a, you know, access to capital and could be like, all right, we've been bootstrapping this thing along. We've been just getting by, right? Like, like what would a real organization look like around designing products, right? And you start to go out and find people that do user experience testing and you start to find, you know, people that, that make the things that you're making better, more efficient, more likely to, to please your customer. Yeah. But in the beginning, you're just basically trying to keep your head above water. You know, for years, Ben's shared this, in a number of, I mean, Brivity did not make money. It was actually supported by Ben's real estate business for a lot of years. He poured his own personal funds into that thing. And up until the Goldman investment in place, we'd never taken an investment in Brivity had been bootstrapped, which look, there's, there's some good there too, right? Like we've never been a company that loses, I don't know, some of these tech companies in real estate. It's crazy. Almost, they lose freaking hundreds of millions of dollars a year. And you're like, how is that Where are you ever going to be profitable? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. The the economics of some of that stuff is nuts to me. A place like Compass that gets these massive investments and just is burning through cash like quarter over quarter. It's it's crazy. I know, I know. Now I want to know. You, there's a lot of things going on. You guys got the the Goldman investment. You're growing. What is the most exciting thing that's happening right now at Place? Whew. Other than your new job title. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I, I'm excited about like the the three to five year vision for what what Ben wants to to deploy here, and I'll, I'll give you a little bit. I'll, I'll back you up, and here's why. And look, everything will be that Uber, that Uber of or the Amazon of, but like we want to position place as like the Amazon of home services, essentially, right? Where we believe that 
the connection with the consumer in five years will continue to be some local trusted professional that we believe could be the real estate agent. And what we're interested in, well, here's how real estate works today, right? Every seven to 10 years, you need a real estate agent and and they kind of show up in your world then to help you buy and sell. And then you don't see them again for seven to 10 years. Maybe they send you some recipes or, or a calendar to put on your fridge every year or something, right? Or pies at Thanksgiving or whatever. Bam. Don't forget about the email. <laughs> but so Ben's kind of grand vision is that the agent becomes that resource for the consumer during the time they live in that house. And so place our five-year vision is that we will build up all the consumer services that go along with living in a home, not just buying or selling a home. So there's some real early obvious ones that actually go along with buying and selling a home, things like mortgage or title or um, home warranty or some things like that. But once you get into living in the home, there starts to be things like home, all the home maintenance, right? My, my roofer, my plumber, my, the people that do my yards. If I live in Arizona, the guy that comes and does my pool, like I moved to Arizona, Joel, at one point, I, and my wife and I lived down there for two years and I was constantly calling my real estate agent, right? And saying, Hey, Fred, like, who do I use for my pool here in Mesa? And the problem was my real estate agent wasn't from where I bought. He was from like 45 minutes away, which for a pool guy down there, you can't, I couldn't use his pool guy. Cause there was 7 million pools between his house and my house. That pool guy wasn't coming 45 minutes down to my house. Right. But Fred, knew an agent down in Mesa. And so he said, you know what? I'm not sure, Bob, but call Jack. He lives down in Mesa, right? He's, he's on my team and he's down in Mesa. He'll know the pool guy to use. And so I had to kind of actively seek that stuff out. I think most people don't, right? They go to Angie's list or they go to home advisor or they next go, door. yeah, next door. They, yeah. they ask their, their neighbors or, so we really want to fill that space where, where the real estate agent today thought of as a real estate agent becomes more of like a home advisor for this person during that time they live in the house. But that is for us, like we're heading towards that today. We're really focused yeah. on building real estate teams, but here's why that's exciting for me and why I can get behind that. I've known Ben Kinney since like 2008, seven or eight. Like he, he was on our board at active rain really early on. And right as he started his real estate career, and I started working with him in 2015. I can remember that the first time we ever went to a, a conference, and again, you've been to these conferences, but and we were going to sell the Brevity platform. And, and we, we didn't even have the platform, by the way. We, we had the concept of it. We bought the pieces of it, but we hadn't like pinned it all together in the code and, and all that stuff yet. But we were going to go, we we're going to sell this thing. And he said, it's a four-day conference. We're going to sell 150 of these. And after the first day, we'd sold like two. And so he comes in after that day one, he's like, how many did we sell? And we're like, we sold two. And he's like, all right, here's how we're going to pitch it tomorrow. And there was like zero, like what? Or shit, we're not going to get there. It was just like, all right, here's how we're going to do it tomorrow. So the next day we sell like nine, right? And so we're like, all right, um, you know, we, we got 11 now. He's day two. He's like, how many do we got? We're like, we got 11. And he's like, okay, cool. So 11 and two, we got 13. And we're like, no, two and nine, we got 11. And he's like, uh, all right, well, here's how we're going to pitch tomorrow. And whatever. So we get that last day, right? We've sold about 30 and we've got 120 to, to make up, but he has like, no question we're going to do it. And we don't do it. 
we hit like 115. The last day, people at the very end are like handing us their credit cards as the security's kicking us out of the place. And that tends to be the case at one of these real estate conferences. People wait till the last day or even the last minute to buy the thing, right? And we did like 120 out of 150. But he came in afterwards and he said, you guys did a great job. He's like, in my head, we were going to do 100. I know I set that goal out there. He's like, and here's what I took away from that. It didn't matter. Like we were going to hit that goal. Right now, we, we ended up selling 150 when we left, right? We went home and then we, we followed up with all those people and, and we ended up getting to that goal. And, and what Ben, I really believe this about him. We are going to hit our goals around here, no matter how long. It might not be on the time frame we want it to, to be, but we will hit them. And so our goal is to become you know, a, a place that people go when they think about what they need while they live in their house. And then obviously once they go to sell it and, and maybe buy another one. But um, so I'm just excited about like the big vision that Ben put Ben and Chris put in front of our company. And I really do believe that, you know, we're going to assemble a team to go out and, and build that vision on the timeline that we want. I hope so, Joel. But but if it doesn't, it takes us another six months or a year or two years it's still going to be a really worthwhile endeavor for our entire team. Absolutely. Who who's Chris, the co-founder with Ben? Chris Suarez, yep. Yeah, what was what was he from? What projects? So was he's he a he's a Keller Williams agent. He built a big team um in okay. in you know, so he had a couple of he had an expansion world it was called Experience that probably when him and Ben combined, I, I think each of them brought somewhere in the neighborhood about 8 to 12 teams to the table spread all across the country. So place kind of started off as a combination of those teams that Ben and Chris were already partnered with, which was about 20 teams when we started. And today we're up to uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 170. Nice. It's funny because they are like friggin' yin and yang, night and day, totally different dudes, um, but a really great compliment. Chris is the systems and models guy. And if we, if, if we say we're going to do something, we do that thing and we, we systematize it. And, and Ben's the big vision thinker and, and constantly driving the organization ahead. And um, so they're a, yeah, there's a great combination. And um, I, I've known Ben for 15 years. I'm getting to know Chris, but man, we have a really powerful co-founders that just have amazing vision. And, and, and then you've got Chris, who's just an, an operator, an executor who goes out and, and just makes those things happen. So well, you have that credibility, right? If I'm going to trust a software or a service to participate in my business, I mean, Ben's a, he's a force. Like he's done a great job personal branding and all of that. I first learned about him like from my stepdad. And then I think at one point I talked to him when I had built one of the platforms. If I'm right, if it was him, it was this very casual conversation where I think he was like walking around outside or something like his house. And it was like a Tuesday afternoon. I don't know. It, it just seemed to me like this guy makes deals happen. That's exactly, it was definitely Ben kidding. <laughs> yeah. That's totally how he operates. Like he would be outside kicking the bushes around his house. And yeah, I mean, that's, but he is a, He's a deal maker. Like, yeah, I think at the very end of the day, he loves making a deal, whether that be around buying a product, whether that be around acquiring a company or whether that be, you know, be around finding talent to bring into his world. Like we've bought a couple of companies and then he just shut the company down essentially to attract their talent. Yeah. Or the companies, you know, their product sits on the sidelines today. But well, if they have industry experience and they're talented at what they do, I mean, that's worth gold, right? It's worth buying it. I know we're coming up on time. I want to give a shout out for your podcast. Tell me about the podcast. Where can people listen? What is it about? Podcast is called Win, Make, Give. Basically, we talk about health, wealth, leadership, and legacy. Comes out of the mind of, of Ben Kinney. 
I think one of the coolest things that we've done on that podcast, and you know, it's, it's pretty good listens. We've had over a million downloads. And but one of the coolest things we so you can find it at winmakegive.com or, you know, anywhere that you listen to your podcast, right? Just search for winmakegive. One of the, I think the best things we've done is what we call the wealth series. And it's kind of the framework that Ben has used to manage his wealth over, over the years. And it's an eight part series. It comes with a bunch of workbooks. It's free. Like when we did it live back in 2020, we gave away like $25,000 to the people that went through it and completed it. And there was like, I don't know, like 12 kids and Ben, like at the end gave them all a thousand dollars just if they were under 17 and they'd done this wealth series, but it goes through, you know, how do you manage your money? How do you know how much money you need for retirement? How do you figure out, you know, how to cut expenses and, and what does the process for raising your income look like? And it's, it's a real practical guideline to, to starting to, to think about wealth. Cause Joel, most of our parents didn't talk with us about money or how to manage it or how to grow it. Almost all of us are left to our own devices to go out and figure out how to learn about money. And so the win, make, give is, is about managing your money, leadership and, and wealth and, uh, they can find us at winmakegive.com. And if they wanted the wealth series, winmakegive.com forward slash wealth. Nice. And it's a free series. They can just download yeah, it. Yep. And- it's all free. Ben jokes all the time. We should charge. We should do advertising. We don't even do advertising on the podcast. I think we advertise a couple of our other podcasts. We've got some other podcasts in our little network or whatever, but yeah, yeah no advertising. It's all funded by Ben. The wealth series is free. And we've, we've had, we had a lot, we had about, I don't know, 22,000 people or something go through the wealth series. And we just heard amazing feedback. Some people that have like literally changed the financial trajectory of their life by just really applying some pretty simple models. I mean, it starts with like tracking your net worth every month and figuring out what are your expenses and what are your fixed expenses and what are some of your variable or, or, you know, nice to have expenses. And it's just a, it's a great, great framework for thinking about money. Yeah. I made some money selling my software and then a financial advisor, he said, hey, you need to come talk to me about that. And I was like 18 or 20 or something. I was like, yeah, I got this. I made the money. I can manage the money. Uh, well, I, I subsequently spent all the money. And, <laughs> then, <laughs> and then I went back to him after and I was like, hey, so, you know, I'm broke. And he said, well, why don't you spend, you know, the next couple of years with me? We'll start a business together. You can build software to make my financial company, he had a financial advisory firm, uh, more productive. And through that process, you'll see thousands of people plan their retirement and how we do everything. And so I did. And it was like some of the best three years of my life learning. And so then when you go around two and build the, build the next business, you have all those principles. But I'm definitely always learning. And I'm excited. I'm going to download the Wealth series and sort of compare and contrast it. Yeah. To- Check it out. Check it out. Yeah. If your audience is, is interested in financial literacy and kind of expanding on that in their own world, it's there yeah. as a resource for anybody. Okay, we'll wrap up. Tell Ben, if he's in Nashville, we have a studio. We can record an episode. If you're in Nashville, same thing. It'd be super cool. I am excited to check out the Win Make Gift podcast. Dude, we made a podcast. How do you feel? I love it, Joel. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you would like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.